Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to have each and every one of you. Uh, Those who are maybe watching online, I know uh, as quarantine sets in for many of us and and, uh, we cases are around, please take any time away and realize and know that we will be on Facebook every week. So thank you, those who are watching with us, Glory family, those who are in the room. Uh, My name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors of Glory Church, and I will be honest, uh, it's hard sometimes to lead a church in a pandemic. It is hard. But the, the beauty of all this is that God has continued to do mighty things. I mean, if you were with us yesterday serving, thank you so much. We were able to hand out hundreds of different articles of clothing, uh, warm clothes, scarves, hats, gloves, socks, and then we were able to serve a whole lot of soup. And it was really good soup. Uh, so it was fun to get to know people. We served right outside of Happy Foods, which is that direction, I think. Don't quote me on that. It's one way. Um, it's right behind the YMCA. I'll say that. And we got to, to get to know the Happy Foods uh, staff and just serve alongside them. They do some great things in the city. Um, so it was an honor to be there. But this morning, we are actually starting a brand new series called We Can't Stop. And though I just sort of set it up, it's found in this beautiful text where where the uh, the followers of God are on fire. I mean, the Holy Spirit fell, things are changing, and they cannot stop the momentum of it. But I wanted to speak into it this morning because I'm really excited. The word growth is a hard one for us sometimes. Growth. Some of you, maybe you want to grow uh, in your finances. Maybe you want to grow up the ladder in your job. Maybe some of you, you want to grow in healthy habits. Maybe you want to grow some muscles in your life. Maybe you want to grow the ability to run a little bit further. Maybe some of you want to grow just your relationship with your spouse. Or, or some of you realize this, this tension in your relationship with your kids or parents, and you want it grown. One thing I know about growth, and I think you know this too, Every time we want to grow in something, we naturally will have to start new things, right? And we will have to end old things. I mean, that's just natural. Anytime you want to start something, you want to grow in something, there's new things that you have to begin and old things that you have to end. But I want you to hear this. One of the most overlooked avenues, and if you're a note taker, one of the most overlooked avenues of growth actually comes from us doing often what we often do only sometimes, right? Uh, often what, it, what growth really looks like is for you choosing to do often the things that you only do sometimes. Think about it in your finances. If you only sometimes choose to save your money instead of getting that uh, Big Mac, I don't know what you like to eat, the Taco Bell late at night or, or that extra cup of coffee, if you like to just constantly uh, only sometimes save your money but often spend it here, I think we can all agree that nothing good's going to come in your finances. Or if you want to live healthy and you only sometimes eat the healthy foods, we all know that it's not getting us anywhere. I like to think that my lettuce will cancel out everything else, but it doesn't. Only consistency changes things. Sometimes won't get us anywhere. Sometimes doesn't bring the change. And in our faith, the same thing is true. Some of you, maybe you struggle with hope. Maybe you sometimes believe and struggle with, uh, with setbacks. And when a setback hum- happens, you found yourself spiraling down in doubt and fear and pain. The growth out of that won't come from you only sometimes doing things. 
But you choosing to do that, which you do sometimes, a little bit more often. Another way that we, we're going to say it this, this uh, series is it's going to be three weeks of us choosing to do what we maybe do once in a while and pushing us to do it twice in a while. Or those who are, who are, who are comfortable with the twice in a while, we're going to start doing it thrice in a while. Do you understand? Like It's just taking the things that we do sometimes and we're going to begin doing them more. That's what growth is. Another word to say it is consistent. 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 In the Bible, the, the passage that I just read, the reason the Roman officials were so overwhelmed by Peter and, Jan, and John's work and all the disciples' work, the reason is because consistently lives were being changed that were offsetting the Roman rule. I mean, this was a leper. He had no hope of being anything but, or this was a, a, a crippled man. He had no hope of being anything but. He was not a part of the society, and now he can earn wages. Like, this is changing everything, and by the dozen people's lives were being redeemed. There was consistent change, and it was making a big impact. And so they brought him in, and that is why. We see over and over that consistency is what transforms not just a life, but a city. And I want that, right? At the end of the day, that's why we planted Glory Church. At the end of the day, maybe that's why you signed on, that you see that God is doing something, but for the spiritual landscape of our city to be changed, it's going to take consistency. This, we can't stop. And so this morning, uh, we are going to start three different things that, I, that I, I'm excited to work through. Three things that we can't stop doing as believers. Three things. I'm excited. You met Sanford already. He's going to be speaking into the last one. Uh, uh, so at the end, in, in two more weeks, you get to hear him and bringing in another we can't stop. But this morning, if all of those who are note takers in the room, if you're an avid note taker, I want you to write this down. That we can't stop living in unity. And this is the first one. I just want to sit. I don't know if you've realized the state of our nation, but it has caused a whole lot of believers who are called to be united, very disunited, very uh, lack of unity in in a household, a lack of unity in friends groups. And so I'm going to say and lean in on this moment and say we can't stop living in unity. I wrote a few things. If your hope is to grow, if your ability to be faithful to your spouse is to grow, if, you, if your uh, ability to show your coworkers that this faith in you is real and valid, then one thing that you cannot stop is living in unity. Now, as we get into this, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll press a little bit more, but show me some believers that are disunited, and I'll show you one of the main reasons why the world doesn't want anything to do with us. Did you hear me? Show me some believers who are disunited, who argue and fight. And I will point and show you the reason non-believers don't want anything to do with Jesus. Because we, Jesus himself says the people, they will know, the world will know you are my disciples by your love for one another, by your love for one another, your ability to show up for one another. The world should look in and see our ability to have compassion on one another, uh, to be able to forgive one another quickly that the world looks and says the most celebratory people are, the, are people of faith. They celebrate the wins of others. They mourn with each other. The world will know we are, are, are Christ followers by our love, our ability to mourn when others mourn, rejoice when others rejoice, our ability to, to, to forgive quickly and again forgive, our ability to have compassion, to be consistent with that compassion. The world doesn't do that, but the people of God are called to. They will see that we are his disciples 
by our love. And it's interesting, unity, uh, it's not just this absence of fighting. No, the absence of fighting, we can say tolerance. Unity is something to be pursued after. Unity is a little bit more than that. When I say we are to be living in unity, that doesn't just mean hold your mouth when you have a disappoint, like a disapproval or, or to be quiet when you have something that's different or, or a disagreement. That's not unity. That's just trying to be tolerant and, and quiet. No, unity is so much more than that. And so as we get into it this morning, I'm actually going to give you three words, and uh, I've tried to be a, a, a good leader in this. They're all going to start with the word P, all right? Um, so this is for your benefit, and hopefully you can memorize it a little. But when I say live in unity, I want you to know these three things, that, that what unity means, and maybe it's going to be a little different than what you think. Because unity does not just mean we're, we're, we're circled around singing kumbaya, and we don't have any problems with each other. Unity is a little bit different. And as we get into it, this is what shines Christ. So if you will with me, uh, when I say live in unity, the first thing I say is to be united in presence. To be united in presence. Now I want you to write this word down because this is huge. Because to be united with someone means that you show up. You show up. My heart breaks for the marriages that, that you can already begin seeing are going in the disunited route because we're not showing up for each other anymore. Or the friends who you feel distant. Why do you feel distant from them? Because they haven't showed up for you. Or the people in your job who, who, who you were close with, but now you, see, you feel the tension. It's because they don't show up anymore. And when people don't show up, they feel unreliable to you. And, and we have to continually show up for one another. Show up to be present. Acts 2, it, right before that on trial section that we read, Acts 2, uh, the Holy Spirit fell and thousands of people came to the faith. And it's this crazy thing. They began selling all the things that disunited them, all the things that separated them. And they actually began living with each other, breaking bread, having food with one another. Uh, and now am I telling you to join a combine and do that? No. But what I am telling you is your Sunday to Sunday interaction with believers is not being united in presence. Do you hear me? Like your Sunday to Sunday, week to week, only one day with other believers is not what Jesus speaks of their love for one another will shine me. No, you must be present in each other's life. And if I can, uh, if I could be vulnerable with you, the times in my life when I have um, experienced the most doubt, the times in my life when I've spiraled the most in uh, being overwhelmed or worry or uh, when the most overwhelmed with stress or anxiety, those moments, the deep, dark times, the nights where I can't sleep, all of those, yeah, I have them as a pastor. And I'm sure you do too. But if, I can, if I'm honest with myself, in hindsight, I can look back and see this correlation between those feelings and me also not being very united with other believers. In fact, it's often during those times when I'm also not leaning in on someone else or I'm also not living with people or I'm not trusting in someone to handle my, my needs or I'm not voicing my burdens or I'm not asking someone to carry my, my burdens or I'm not being vulnerable or I'm not requesting prayer. It's during those times when I be alone that I spiral down. We have to realize the, the consistency of that, like that how, how, how connected your anxiety being up is with your unity going down. We can't stop living in unity, in presence. So it's not a Sunday to Sunday. You see, the Israelites had a beautiful um, ongoing discipline. I wish we were more like this. The Jewish people, they would constantly, 
every week, every day, every issue, they would go back to a shared experience of what God did in the past. Not like a personal experience, which is great, but a shared experience. Hey, do you remember, I know, I know we're going through this, but do you remember that time when he literally made a way and we walked through the, dre- the Dead Sea, the, the, the Red Sea? Do you remember that time when, when we were hungry and he literally dropped food from the sky? Do you remember that time when we were doubtful and didn't know if we'd win the war, but Moses, he just held his hands up and we won. And it's this, this, this combined shared experience that I think we miss when we are not living in unity. Like Glory Family, our story. Do you remember 2019? We looked ahead, those who've been with us, and we're like, 2020 is coming. It's going to be, you know, our year. And joke's on us, right? The pandemic's going to happen. Like, our, our city is going to... Be broken in many ways. The the cracks in our in our in our love is going to be on display, and we're going to be seen as ugly at times. We're going to have to realize our own biasness, and all these hard things are going to happen. But in 2019, I remember us saying, "Hey, we are going to launch our church the week after the Super Bowl, and we're it's going to be our first Sunday service." And do you remember, guys, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl this year. Like that's like what? Like that happened? I I don't even remember it. But we, we had this, and then literally the next question people would ask us is, well, where are you launching at? And in 2019, if you've you, you been with us, you're like, oh, I don't know. But where's your service going to be at? I don't know. But when is it going to be? On February 9th. And okay, well, where's it going to be at? I don't know. And then day one of 2020 came, and the YMCA calls us and said, we have an opening. Do you guys need a place? You see, God's faithfulness, and me being able to speak that does something beautiful. Being united in presence allows you to experience and recall shared memories. Because what that does is when I am in in doubt, you can say, hey, Greg, you remember that time when God showed up in big ways for us? Or when you're in doubt, I can say, hey, remember that time when we were going through this and God showed up in big ways? You remember that time when we thought we had nothing, but then God made something? You see, that's shared experiences that provide you to speak into my life that provide me to speak into your life, you to speak in your neighbor's life. Shared experiences, we can't stop living in unity of presence. I think this is why Paul says all those one another phrases. To love one another, to carry one another's burdens, to forgive one another, to to live with one another, to bear with one another. There's all of these one another's, and I think it's because one believer cannot grow without another. Do you think about it? I can't grow in patience without the person that I'm very impatient with. And God some, sometimes brings that. Or I can't grow in faith without the person who's one step up in front of me in faith. And I see how they handle shortcomings. One person cannot grow without another. We can grow in our spiritual time, quiet times alone. But God will always show us that the body of Christ is his fullness. You cannot separate the head from his body. And we, we often don't realize how powerful presence is. And Paul writes this in Hebrews. It's right after what Sanford read this morning. He, he says, and let us consider. Now that we can, right before this was, we approach the throne of grace with confidence. We can confidently come to him. And now let us consider. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. All the time, as, the, as you see the day approaching, this word provoke is very interesting. It doesn't mean like to just poke someone into anger. The word actually means to stir someone up, encourage them to something. I'll tell you the most apathetic you will ever be is when you stay with walls up distant from other believers. 
The most apathetic person you will ever become is if you keep your arms like this from the people who care about you. Because when we are together, we provoke one another. We provoke one another to good deeds. If you're taking notes, write this, being present is what provokes change. If you're struggling with an addiction and you've kept it silent, change won't happen until you are provoked. And often provoking happens the most beautifully in this. And a one-on-one, shoulder-to-shoulder, iron sharpening iron thing, we can't stop being present. So maybe you need to start being vulnerable, leaning in on that. You, you want to test God in this? Those of you who maybe are, are more the outsiders and more the, you have a hard time putting walls down, you want to test God in this? See if, it, let's do a little test. The rest of 2020, what if you were to dive into a community, whether it's Glory Church or whether it's a small group of Glory Church, you're going to dive into some people and just be vulnerable with them. Test God. Say, God, okay, if I do this, I just want to see. Let's just see if your level of trust doesn't grow a little bit. Let's just see if your level of love, patience doesn't grow a little bit because something happens as we rub shoulders with another believer, as we live life with. You're not going to feel alone. In fact, that's a story of many of you out there. You have been shaped by the community that you're in. The small group, they've been with you. So for some of you, you want to test God? Say, okay, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to show up. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to, I'm going to dive in and see what happens. If my, my level of understanding of who God is changes and grows. But we can't just be united in presence. There's another one. Note takers number two. We also have to be united in purpose. In purpose. Now, this is where it might get a little hard for us to, to, to sit in on this because presence is, is pretty understandable. We got to just be present with someone. But purpose gets a little harder, and Paul gets a little blunt to the Corinthian church. And so, can I read this? Uh, read it with me because it's a little blunt in section, and we're in chapter 1, verse 16. Uh, he speaks this, or verse 10. He says, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, all of you be in agreement with one another. Live in unity. Let there be no divisions among you that you may be united. There's that word in the same mind and the same purpose. There's that word, united in purpose. And then he, uh, he sort of name drops Chloe. Verse 11 says, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are some quarrels, some fights among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says I belong to, Christ, to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Trump, or I belong to Biden, or I belong to Christ. That was in there. Um, I, has Christ been divided? Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then he skips down 10 uh, verses and says this in verse 23, but we proclaim Christ. And that is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called to this purpose, the Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Paul knew what he was talking about. There was already segments of the believers who were getting sidetracked onto what their purpose was, and he needed to rein them in. Now, hear me when I say this. Hear me. Each of us have a specific purpose, and I want you to see that word specific. A specific purpose. You have been called by God. 
You have a name, and the beauty of this is that each and every one of you have attributes and giftings that are aligned with how God has made you, and so intricately so that even your impulses, like one thing that I love is to know a non-believer before they met Christ and to just already see their natural inclination for good, and I'm like, when God gets a hold of that, it's going to grow, and it's just beautiful to see already that God created you with natural impulses. We have to realize that that is beautiful. For some of you, you have a purpose to teach, to tend people, to get them from one place to another. Some of you have a strong calling for racial reconciliation, and that's your purpose. Some of you, you have a purpose at home, and you're like, I'm going to be with my kids. Some of you have a purpose of of providing for for your spouse or your family. Others of you have a purpose of showing up and being uh, a bank teller right now. Some of you are calling your purpose is to finish school right now. We have both small purposes as well as big ones all attached to us. But I think we can all agree... (laughs) that there's also some tension that happens. Do you want to know why God-fearing believers have voted on both extremes this year? Like, I'll, I'll say it. Do you want to know why? It's because there are pieces of each policies that are connected with their deep purpose. Some of them are sold out on equality and racial equality. Others might be sold out on this idea of, of love and children and life. And, and, and everything else is blindsided because of this. And that's good. They have a calling. And so what we have to realize is your specific purpose is gorgeous and God-given and beautiful. But we all can also can see the tension that when it is fallen above or it was pushed above our general purpose, some disunity happens. You remember that general purpose to proclaim Christ in all things? I think we all know what happens when we proclaim equality, but not Christ. I think what all, we all know what happens when we proclaim peace, but not Christ. We, send, we tend to shout it with anger instead of uh, allowing the God of peace to de- define it. I think we can all realize what happens when we segment the two The problem comes when we either elevate our specific purpose above our general one or when we disconnect them completely. Think about that. But get this, my calling as a a man, a husband to that beautiful lady right here in the front, my calling, my purpose as a father to my crazy four kids, my purpose as a pastor is actually largely benefited. Our purposes are largely benefited when they are fueled by, by our general callings our general purpose. Think about this. I am a better man when I put things into perspective. I'm a better father when I realize that at the end of the day, my main goal is to proclaim Christ in my home. Then I could be patient, right? Then I start seeing things clear. When I proclaim that I'm a man who who follows a God who came and died for the lost, who who redeemed my life, who I was messed up and fallen and, and gone, and he's changed me. And so now that general purpose fuels and blesses every other thing. It changes how I interact or else my kids are going to just see me and not Christ. And I think that's what happens. You can be uh, sold out in your workplace, but the moment it excels over your purposes to provide, I think we can all see this. Some of you lived in homes where your dad, his purpose, his God-fearing man, his purpose was to provide. And he kept saying that, but he sometimes got it mixed And it seemed like there was provision above submitting to God. 
and he was distant, disunited with your family. You see what happens? Every single time we, uh, we lift up our special, specific purposes above the general one to follow Christ, anger happens. This is why we have to lean and we can't stop. We can't stop living in unity, united in purpose. And so I wrote this down. Do you want to grow in your calling? Do you want to grow in your joy, your love for one another? Some of you have, have been really struggling with your patience. Some of you have been really struggling with, with peace or, or you've been really struggling with hope. Maybe start by this. Allow every specific purpose of yours to be submitted under that general purpose. What that means is when you go to work, be like, I, I know I have to be here. Uh, when, you, when you go and start talking about your, your purpose of racial equality, remember the God of all equality, who is now not just uh, attached to policies, but is attached to literal truth. And, and it fuels me. Or when you, when you start speaking about uh, unborn babies, and, and guard your heart too. We can't let anger fuel passion. Like, we have to have our general calling, our purpose of proclaiming Christ be and fuel and bless everything else. And I will say some changes are happening. We thought this past week was crazy. It's going to keep going as, as our, our nation sets into what the new norm is going to be. But as believers, we can't stop living in unity, united in a single purpose that fuels our calling, yes, our specific ones. But at the end of the day, God's going to get glory. That's my purpose. That's my mission. That's my reason. And so the last one, lastly, if you're taking notes, we can't just be united in presence and purpose, but also when I say unity, it means to be united in pursuit. United in pursuit. And this is an interesting one because Jesus makes very clear over and over in the Gospels of what his mission is. Now I need everyone to hear this uh, because Jesus makes clear over and over in the Gospels what his specific mission is. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know that there was very disunited relationship between him and every religious leader, right? It, they were disunited. There was a lack of unity between him and the Pharisees. And the reason was in what they pursued. Their mission, the Pharisees, their pursuit was cleanliness. Their pursuit was comfort. Their pursuit was hierarchy. Their pursuit was, uh, was this uh, traditional way of life that, that honored what they thought was excellence. But Jesus shows us, no, I, I've come not for the healthy, because the healthy don't need a doctor, right? That he literally said that I've come for the sick. Jesus makes very clear his pursuit is the lost, the outcast, the, the estranged, the hurting, the lonely, the overcome, the oppressed, the chained. And so I will say this is very real. We can't stop living in unity. I will tell you if uh, your pursuit is comfort and safety, you're going to feel very awkward and distraught the day that someone sits next to you in glory church who smells like weed, right? Like, let's just be honest. You're going to feel very distraught. If your pursuit is comfort in your life and safety, then you are going to be very distraught. And you're not even going to be able to worship that day because someone is in here and they do not, like, they're just talking behind me. And, they, and look behind. Are they believers? Like, there's a reason they're not worshiping. They don't have anything to, or no reason to, but you're going to be very overcome. By, by doubt and anger and bitterness, if our pursuit is comfort, 
Or for some of you, if your pursuit is financial, uh, financial success and freedom, and you're going to be very distraught the day that God calls you to give more than you had planned. And you're like, but I'm saving up for this electronic that I'm wanting, right? Or I'm saving up for that new, that new iPad or that new phone, or I'm saving up for it, that new trip. You're going to be very distraught because as believers, we have to be united in pursuit. And what we pursue, at the end of the day, it's not comfort. At the end of the day, it's not safety. We have to pursue the lost. Jesus says, I, I left the 99 to find the one. The one. It's not about the 99 anymore. It's about the one. Churches struggle with this all the time. And I think it's because we forget the why. But there's this beautiful time uh, where Peter says this, and this is what we're going to end with. He says, friends, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I think this is the beautiful thing that we can do. If we're going to be pursuers of the lost, is to be prepared to always give a reason. Because there's going to be a day when a coworker says, how can you handle this with such grace? Or there's going to be a day when someone asks, how did you handle that death in your family? Or how did you handle that setback? Or, or how are you not overwhelmed by all the cuts or fearful? You don't seem to be afraid that everyone is getting cut out of jobs. Like, why aren't you afraid? Always give a reason to the hope that you have. This is how we step in more and more into our pursuit. United pursuit for the lost is to always be prepared. So I wrote some few things down because I think this is uh, one of the things that we can start doing twice in a while that we only do once in a while. Or some of you who are maybe a little bit more holier than I am, you can do thrice in a while now. Um, But this what conversations do you have once in a while that benefit the lost? Think about it, that you can start having twice in a while. What conversations do you have once in a while that you can start having twice in a while? What areas or literal contexts or places in our city that you visit once in a while to benefit the lost, you can start visiting twice in a while. Like, it's just this easy, but we make it so much more grand. My, uh, our daughter, she's like, Dad, we need to start doing often. And she didn't even know what I'm teaching on. We, we've got we to gotta feed that soup often. And I'm like, she keeps using this word and I'm getting chills as she says it. Cause I'm like, okay, God, like, I'm sorry. And she's like, instead of just doing it once a year. And she's literally told us this this morning, we need to do it often, often. And I think we got to realize the, the things that we do once in a while, and we pat our back on, we've got to start doing twice in a while to pursue the loss or we will get overwhelmed and pursuing comfort on the often side, right? I wrote this down. What prayers do you engage in once in a while that benefit the lost that you can engage in twice in a while this week? What generosity do you act out once in a while that pursues the lost that you can start acting out twice a while? Think about it. What would that look like to dive in, to to go there more than once, to do that more than once, to bring it up to your friends more than once, to give to your coworkers more than once, to feed them more than once, to read to them more than once, to invite them in on your, your needs and your pain more than once, to call them this week more than once, to forgive them more than once, to pursue them more than once. If we start having this attitude toward the lost, like I'm going to do it more than once, Like, what would that do to our faith? We have to lean in on this unity. We have to. So for some of you, I invite to dive in, be united in presence with us. Others of you, I I ask you to submit your specific purpose under your general ones.
your general one to follow, to follow and proclaim Christ. And then I think we all can do these once, uh, once a while things twice a while, right? I think we can all do these things to pursue the lost. We have to be united. Will you pray with me this morning? God, in this room, I don't think we realize how disunited we are with your people. I don't think we realize how often we are. That we're disunited every single time we hold back from being completely honest with someone about where we are or what our fears are or what our doubts are. I don't think we realize how disunited we are when we don't ask the hard questions for a friend that we claim to love. I don't think we realize, God, how disunited I am when I don't stop and pray instead of just saying, hey, can I pray? What can I pray for you about? So God, may we be a church that is united in presence. Not just so that we're provoked to love one another, but that that literally our city will be changed by our consistency. Where miracles are happening and lives are being changed and it shakes the, the, the hierarchy of our city. God, I pray that we will not stop being united in purpose. So that while our world fights and bickers about all the changes being made, we can stand united because at the end of the day, Christ is king and he's who's proclaimed. And God, I pray that we will never be too comfortable in this place, that we do not have a spot for the lost. May we be a church united in our pursuit. That you be seen and glorified in all and that, that we be changed and that our city is changed and our homes are changed. In your name, for your glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.